Greetings. You are listening to the 19th episode of the ABF Journal podcast. I'm Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of ABF Journal. Earlier this month, I spoke with Meredith Carter, President and CEO of Context Business Lending, about how she has utilized her skills and knowledge, along with a data and technology-driven approach, to help accelerate the growth of Context Business Lending and its mission of reinventing how ABL is done in today's world. She also shared some developments from this year, as well as her expectations for the remainder of 2020, both for Context and for the ABL industry at large. Let's get to the call. Hi, this is Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of ABF Journal, and I am joined today by Meredith Carter, President and CEO of Context Business Lending. How are you, Meredith? How are you doing, Phil? I'm doing pretty well, um, and I just kind of want to jump in right here, but before we get to Context itself, I'd like to talk a little bit about your background. Um, Meredith, a lot of people may know you, but for those who don't, can you tell us about your background and then maybe give us an intro of, of who Context is? Sure. Um had a bit of an unusual entry into asset-based lending. Uh, I, I started my career as an attorney um, focused on corporate litigation and then uh, corporate transactional work in Wilmington, Delaware at a, a big firm by Delaware Standards. Um, and then from there, I took a position with a client of the firm who was starting a litigation funding business. Um, and it was um, early to have litigation funding businesses at the time, and I was intrigued. And I helped grow that business from inception and eventually helped sell it to a UK-based funder looking to come to the U.S. Then when evaluating whether I should stay in litigation funding, um, which obviously is another niche finance area like ABL, or to try something new, um, one of the principles behind the litigation funding business, along with his a partner who I've known through business for quite a while recruited me to contact business funding. Um, they said they had a, a business that had never lost its money, but never really grew past a few loans and was interested to see if um, I could help grow that business. And um, I came in originally as um, general counsel and in the originations role, and fairly quickly um, the um, principals decided they wanted to the business exponentially, and uh, the gentlemen who are running the business were also running another business for the family office, which is not uncommon. They moved over to that business and gave me this opportunity, and I reminded them that at the time I knew very little about the and uh, they gave me what I think was uh, one of the strangest compliments I've ever gotten in my life. They said, we have things in you because we think you have good second-order knowledge. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And they said, um, you're aware of what you're good at and what you're not good at, and you're not afraid to, um, to tell people that. So that's really how I approached building context business lending. I started off by being honest about my knowledge gaps and blind spots and hiring around me to fill those, um, starting with our patrol owner and, for example, our chief credit officer, uh, Stephen Butler. Um, so we started on this journey with uh, just a few loans and everything and someone's habits. And we, uh, the first year, really building out kind uh, of funding before um, actively trying to find new loans, um, really documenting all of the processes, expanding our credit box, seeing what was possible. And then uh, just in 2019, we hired a bunch of business developers across the country and uh, quadrupled in size, both uh, in terms of portfolio and headcount. 
Wow, well, that's that's pretty great and kind of falls into what my next question is, is your tagline is consider ABL disrupted. Um, obviously, you've kind of already delved into a little bit of how context has grown, but what do you what does that tagline mean exactly? And how does context, quote, disrupt the industry? Sure. Um, so our growth thesis is that ABL, as uh, you may know, is a large media archaic world that really changes approach or structure in probably over 40 years. Um, we think, you know, industries like that, EBL, it's ripe for disruption. And we said to ourselves, there has to be a better way to review opportunities involving technology. There has to be a, a better way to source deals using technology rather than opportunistically running into intermediaries at cocktail parties and staying in touch. Um, so we spent the first year of the company really picking apart every single aspect of ABL and asking ourselves, why are things done that way? Um, and if they have to be that way, um, that's okay. But is there a better way? What are the alternatives? Let's um, restrict, have, take the, the boundaries off and say, what can, what can we do? Um, and internally, because it's always done that way is never an acceptable answer. Um, so we asked ourselves where we can incorporate technology into our processes and create efficiencies and further risk mitigants, and we did that. So we take a data-driven approach to everything we do and apply probabilistic thinking to all of our credit decisions. And in the structure of our deal, having the benefit of being a family office-funded company, we enjoy the luxury of not having to offer the same cookie-cutter working capital solution to every prospect. Instead, we can actually listen. We don't have financial covenants in our agreements. We don't have restricted or surprised fees so it's closed. And we're always completely transparent with our borrowers and lead sources. We make a concerted effort to underwrite each opportunity from a bottom-up approach, understanding the business first, and then being flexible with our structure, not forcing everything into a fold. None of our existing borrowers have financial covenants, such as the fixed-charge coverage ratio or minimum EBITDA requirements in their agreements craft the structure to meet the unique needs of each potential borrower, and it doesn't matter to us how we get our yield, and companies are sensitive to different things, so we really craft each agreement uh, a la carte. So when I started in the ABL industry, I asked a banker friend, where do you think the hole is in the non-bank ABL market? Uh, what do other companies do that annoy people who send deals to them? And he said, they bait and switch. Very early in the process to get companies through the door, and then later hike up to seas after further diligence, or once they have them as borrowers, see them around every turn. And I really took that to heart and thought, you know, we could do better. We could be more transparent and borrower friendly. And now we do do a lot of diligence before sending out term sheets, and we stand behind what we put out. And our borrowers don't have any surprises, like our partners, and also because of our private funding source. We're able to serve industries that banks and other bank-funded ABL companies can't support because of regulatory reasons, like firearms companies and CBD companies. We also really like loans that are e-commerce-focused, with nearly 100% of the collateral backed by inventory, so we can avoid that archaic um, school thought that um, most of the accounts receivable must match inventory or more accounts receivable uh, to inventory. So, you know, our um, we're our rule of thumb is that um, what's been done in the past doesn't necessarily mean we need to do it in the future. We're trying to bring asset-based lending into the 21st century. And we also take a technology-centered approach to hiring, uh, 
reaching potential borrowers directly and measuring ROI of efforts, but I'll save that for another time. Okay, great. Well, you uh, started to touch on this a little bit, but um, since you are backed by a family office, um, what else does that mean for the company beyond what you've already shared? Sure. Well, so we're free from regulatory restraints, either firsthand or secondhand. So we can be as creative as we want to be and do the deals that we think make sense. Um, the ability for us to disrupt ABL in the ways we just talked about stem directly from our financial backing. Um, a lot of our competitors were reliant on their LPs and bank lines of credit, and they have to be contained inside their mandates. So, you know, they restrict um, how much um, inventory they can do, how much term they can do, um, not being able to serve certain industries. But by having flexible and patient capital behind us, we're able to think differently in our approach and in turn become better and have customized solutions for our borrowers. Right. And kind of that flexibility that you're kind of hinting at uh, there um, gives you kind of a wide range of deal sizes that you guys uh, participate in. Um, is there a sweet spot you guys go for? or um, And why is the range that you've chosen, which as far as I know is about between 1 million and 50 million, why is that what you've chosen and developed over the years? Sure. Um, so yeah, as you said, we're comfortable with one of the smallest million uh, and two million. And we hold lines up to 25 million, but we have a, a network of like-minded family offices and investors that we work with um, to have uh, lines up to 50 million internally. Um, but we we really like that range because we think those uh, both ends of the spectrum, and we have the uh, flexibility to do both. Um, the under five million dollar um, market is underserved, and there are a lot of um, companies that need support in that area that we're able to provide. Also, being a relatively new entrant to the market, uh, people start to come to us with the deals they couldn't place elsewhere, uh, whether it be size or structure, um, but now they're all coming back to us with a lot more traditional loans too, and in the, the 10 to $20 million range, which we, we really like and uh, is developing as a sweet spot. We actually closed a $20 million loan last week. Well, that's great. And speaking of kind of deals being done in this, the current environment, um, it'd be impossible to talk about how business is going without uh, you know, discussing the COVID-19 pandemic. Have you seen a fluctuation in the popularity of certain deal sizes or structures? And are more companies looking for maybe working capital lines of credit versus term loans or anything like that? So um, perhaps surprisingly, data doesn't show a tremendous shift in from a size or structure perspective or term loan versus lines of credit um, over the last few months. But what we have seen is an ebb and flow of opportunities in different market segments and the willingness for uh, capital providers, uh, ABL or otherwise, to invest. And some ABL companies went tenfold down for the first few months of COVID. So industries um, now viewed as more favorable in a post-COVID economy seem to be met with much more enthusiasm in the market, and opportunities in harder-hit industries like oil and gas or retail may have a harder time finding a home. Um, Generally speaking, there's been more caution in the market and tighter credit boxes across the board, but it's often dependent on the specific investor or deal-by-deal. I don't think anyone loves commercial real estate right now, uh, as lateral as you might expect. Um, and uh, what's hard is you can't compare a company's 2020 performance, of course, to 2019 because of the pandemic. So now our analysis um, is also more granularly focused on a company's path out of the effect of COVID um, where they were affected by it. 
Right. And you, you mentioned that you guys just closed a deal pretty recently. How do you think your deal flow is going to progress in the coming months as we kind of continue to grapple with the pandemic? It doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere. Sure. Um, we, we spend a lot of time at the firm researching and discussing expectations and assumptions for the future. Our business development team is based across the country and keeps us up to speed on a weekly basis with trends, market information that they're seeing. Um, the government stimulus like PPP and the willingness for banks to continue to not enforce covenant breaches or a push of principal and interest payments have, um, in our opinion, saved many companies from having to go through a refinancing event or worse. And uh, while I don't have a crystal ball, uh, we believe at some point in the future there will be a larger um, banking and financial fallout from a working capital perspective especially in some of the um, harder-hit industries. So the, the benefit of non-bank lending and specifically you know, our position in the market, we, um, as we're able to be patient and be there where the need arises, we can provide a, a good option for working capital outside of traditional banks um, when they're uh, finally uh, forced to shake out their portfolios. Right. And speaking of portfolios, um, how has the pandemic affected contexts and how have you addressed uh, potential portfolio challenges and maybe challenges of your borrowers? Well, we've been really lucky in that we didn't have any predominantly brick and mortar, oil and gas, uh, transportation or hospitality dependent borrowers in our portfolio. So um, our approach was from the very beginning of COVID, we reached out to our borrowers and let them know that you know, things are going to happen and they need to communicate with us and that will put us in the best position to help them. Um, we had a really hands-on, collaborative approach with our borrowers um, with uh, Stephen Butler, uh, one of our co-chief credit officers, uh, reaching out to them nearly daily at the beginning. And that, um, fortunately, knock on wood, has <laughs> gotten us through the pandemic nearly unscathed. And I, I really think that communication uh, the trust that we've built with our borrowers to tell us everything, you know, good or bad, and transparency have been key to that success. Um, great. So Context made several personnel moves in August, including the promotion of Stephen Butler and uh, the hiring of Josh uh, Bouvet. Um, although I'm sure those were discussions that were, you were having before the pandemic began, what was that process like, particularly hiring Josh um, in the midst of the pandemic? And what do those new you know, positions mean for the company? You know, for a small team, we have a large geographic footprint uh, in, you know, Detroit, Florida, South Carolina, Boston, Denver, Indianapolis, and Philadelphia. And we were always already using teams for video calls prior to the pandemic. But um, we were really hung up prior to the pandemic of, about having uh, our coaches located in the same office. Um, and then uh, we were in conversations with Josh uh, prior to the pandemic, but um, with him uh, being in Detroit, we saw that as a, an issue, but with COVID, we became increasingly open-minded to the idea of having co-chiefs not in the same city. We were already um, using that technology, as I mentioned. Um, so, you know, I think that part of our innovative approach is having a co-chief uh, credit structure. We really believe that having two experienced people looking at our credit opportunities they can help spot issues that one might not alone uh, find and find solutions that one person might not come up with alone um, when they're bouncing ideas off of each other. We are anti the um, 
what our uh, the head of our family office calls the credit honcho structure. Um, we think that you know why bother having so many experienced underwriters and portfolio managers on your team when they're all eventually going to be overridden by one person. In addition to being demotivating for the team, it's, it's bad for business. We run CBL as a flat, non-hierarchical company where everyone is encouraged to share their opinions and speak candidly. Our collective goal is truth-seeking, uh, not proving that we're individually right. So Josh and Stephen are both independently capable of holding the position, but they're even better as a team. And their backgrounds, preferences, and skill sets really complement each other well, and they're both very open-minded and communicative. So as you can imagine, it took a long time to find someone for a role that uh, requires um, achieving this balance, uh, but we're thrilled to have found it in Josh. Um, and, and paired with Stephen, and Stephen has done an amazing job, always thinking outside of the box, working tirelessly, and creating structures that have brought us all of our growth to date. And Josh is a big picture strategic thinker with a lot of credit and portfolio and management experience, and we're, we're really excited to see what they can do together. Yeah, and uh, obviously you you know you'll be seeing that in in the months to come, and we've talked about where context is kind of going in that time. But taking a broader look, what are your expectations for the ABL industry in, in at large over the next few months and into twenty twenty one? We believe that asset based lending is going to be a very important part of the economy uh, for the remainder of twenty twenty one. Um, as I mentioned earlier, banks will have to eventually take out the troubled loans that um, they're holding on to with the, the PPP loans now. And specialty finance ABL will, will be, there, be there to help uh, save those businesses. With cash flows fluctuating in so many areas, the understanding of an asset-based lender and the flexibility of non-bank ABL um, for, will be paramount in helping so many businesses execute on their turnarounds, pivot and achieve their growth goals. Great. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the ABF Journal podcast. We'll talk soon.